Welcome to the uh, Business Unusual Top Woman podcast. Today, I'm joined by founder, co-founder, and CEO of Sweep South, Aisha Pandor. So let's jump into it. Aisha, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Ralph. I think getting used to lockdown and kind of finding my own rhythm um, in this situation we find ourselves in. So good, doing well. And... You told me earlier you've got the three young children you're coping with as well. We, we didn't I do. Know the, 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 the hustle and grind was so hard until we, we knew we were doing it at home as mothers, as teachers with kids. Exactly, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very, very glad that we, we now have um, a bit of help with, with the kids, but uh, there were some hardcore days uh, <laughs> when it was us dealing with the business in the middle of a crisis with all three kids at home needing to do the schooling and everything and, and, and no additional help. That was, yeah, that was pretty hectic. And did your husband dig in? Was he? He had to. Yeah, he had to. Or, or, or did you have to teach him how to do it? <laughs> there was a bit of teaching involved. We had a, we actually had a conversation about, about this with the, our, our team, some of our team members. And I was saying one, um, one, one good thing about the situation is it's definitely made him a better partner and dad. I think he's just, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's make or break. Like he's, he's just had to do it and there's no kind of excuses and, and, uh, and laziness and allowances on my part. So that's, that's one good thing. It's stuck in there, boy. So I think from, from my side, I've got, I told you, three older boys. And so for me, it almost came, I, I had to reassert who was the, who was the uh, man of the house? Um, we had to redefine the rules because I, I felt like I'd joined the family as a visitor um, and there was chaos brewing. And so I had to rewrite the rule book. Like, let's have some rules here, guys. Um, re-establish order. Be, be, re-establish yourself as the alpha. <laughs> I too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, interesting. But then we had squabbles over bandwidth and all those things. But uh... Yes, yeah. Yeah, we've been through all of that as well. My eldest is 11 and, uh, and, and stuck to the, the iPad. And, um, and we've had to yeah, just, you know, kind of reevaluate that whole thing without her being, having access to friends and, you know, mm-hmm. what does screen time even mean and when is it good or bad? It's, yeah, it's a really, really interesting time. It's, it's interesting. Right? And so obviously for me, I think one of the things that really came through, we've been doing Top Woman and Gender Empowerment. I know you've been involved and you've spoken at our events and been an ambassador and, and a judge at the, uh, the judging programs. But I think it really put a focus on for organizations where women are so important to those organizations. Certainly the role now, and you, and you re- certainly parents could see or, or fathers could see when women had to work and had the, and also for, for people you're working with. So some of my colleagues that have their children and you can see it. it's like, and wow, suddenly the dynamics really change and you, and you it almost, you could see it was an extra job plus, plus. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the situation definitely emphasizes and kind of brings home the idea of, the the amount of unpaid care work that women do um mm. but i think also because you know because in many families the dad is the one who's working and he'll go off to work and 
now he's in the home and, you know, similar to our kind of situation, although both, both parents are, you know, are, are involved in the business and, and we both work equally hard. But I think because dads are at home now, you know, like if your wife's got a meeting that she's got to take, you've got to look after the kids. Like there's no one else. And so I think it's actually in, in many cases, I think highlighted the, the, the imbalance in, in unpaid care that women do uh, mm. has forced men to get a lot more involved. And I think even just in interactions with people, you know, we started off talking about, you know, um, my kids that at some point might burst into the room. So it kind of, it humanizes people a lot more and humanizes interactions. Um, I've always found it weird as a woman, um, you know, and, uh, working and working with a lot of men, how sometimes we pretend that we don't have these lives outside of our work lives. Um, when in fact they're so important to who we are and how we interact with people. So I've, I mean, it's one part of all of this that I've loved. I've never been in so many meetings where men have just, you know, because they have to, because, you know, your kids are making noise or going to jump in or whatever, but we men talk about their, their family and their lives and their, and, and their backgrounds. I think it's great. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's changing things. It's, it's normalizing the playing fields, but, um, and, and I think it's interesting times, but I mean, for, for a woman entrepreneur as well, do you think it, it puts more, more, because entrepreneurship in itself is, is a risky business and with risk comes pressure. And so, um, you know, I was watching Ariana Huffington last night speaking and, and she was saying that so many startups fail, she believes because they're not getting that balance of a good night's sleep, like just a simple thing like a good night's sleep, they're not getting that balance, so they're not making good decisions. They're almost working too hard. I mean, yeah. how are you finding in this period? Are you finding it easy to set those rules or yeah. Yeah. establish the, the, the rules of life and, and work? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. It kind of, it, it, it goes up and down. I mean, it's, it's funny because I also, um, I've spent a lot of time you know, reflecting about um, how I spend my day. I think it's because, you know, it's spent in the same place and you're kind of more aware of if I'm, if I spend 16 hours sitting in the same chair, I'm a lot more aware of it than if I open up my laptop in the morning at home, you know, then go to the office and open it up again and spend the same 16 hours working, but it feels, it doesn't feel like I've, you know, just sat in one, one place. So I've been reflecting on this quite a lot and, and have listened to, you know, her story and, um, you know, and the sorts of things she promotes. And it, it goes up and down, I think. Um, and it's kind of been dependent as well on the, on the amount of pressure. So, you know, went mm -hmm. into this with a lot of uncertainty just around what this was going to mean for our business. And, mm -hmm. you know, so the first few weeks of uh, preceding lockdown and, and, and in lockdown were really just, I have to put everything into trying to figure out what this means for the business and trying to, prepare the business for, you know, potentially the worst. Um, mm. And then you kind of get used to things and, 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 you know, and, and I'm still trying to kind of find my rhythm with all of this. And I, you know, I don't know how long we're going to be at home and, um, but it definitely has gotten better and I've made space for sleep or tried to, I've got a, I've got a one and a half year old who doesn't sleep very well. Um, seems to be, I don't know, teething and then tummy issues. And there's always something. Um, so, so I don't get, um, I, I haven't had a, a full night's sleep in a, in a good few years. Um, like but I do, 
it's 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 yeah it's hardcore and uh, but i was i you know i, I think you also get, get used to it um and what this has allowed me to do as well is is to take naps which is something that i never did before um so definitely i i'm i'm at a stage now where i'm thinking a lot more about um at least the overall hours of sleep that i get even if it's interrupted um i've been able to exercise a lot more than i than i would um before this um and then that reflection time has just been super important i think just you know thinking about like how i structure my days um there's something about a crisis that also forces you to think a bit more existentially you kind of like you know what am i doing with my life you know if the world were to end now how would i feel about the position i'm in and and what i've accomplished and how i've treated myself and my family and so i think that's that's definitely forced me to think more about health and and being healthy but i but you know prior to that i was exactly like she was kind of during the 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 worst times of when she was facing um pressure i was yeah you know i could easily go through a whole day without eating you know with very little sleep um yeah all this you know kind of bad sorts of habits that you can get caught into and i think women are particularly susceptible to it as she says um because mm-hmm. we've got so many people that depend on us and we try and be everything to everyone yeah and i know also you want to make an impact in, you know, you come from a, a heritage, a family of, uh, you know, icons. Let's, let's call them icons in politics, really, um, and shaped South Africa's politics. So I know that for you, there was a big sort of, you didn't want to get into the politics, but you want to get into the economic side of things. So, I mean, does that almost, that, that drive, does that weigh you down a little bit, do you think, because you've, like, you feel that need to succeed? It's like, do you feel that? I think that? it definitely is. It's a, it's a, self, um, a self-driven thing. I've, um, my, my parents have uh, four kids. Um, uh, I know you also come from a, a, a big family and have, the same thing, <laughs> and have the same thing also around, you know, family business and family legacy. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's, it's been self-driven. I think, you know, when I think about my siblings, um, they all are doing their own things and are, and are in, you know, successful in different ways. Um, but I've always been the person who is very hard on myself. Um, I, you know, I, I, I want to accomplish things. And then when I accomplish whatever it is, it's kind of, you know, it's a bit of an anticlimax and I want to move on to the next thing. And it's like, you know, what's, what's the next step? What's the next goal? What's the next high? So I am, I'm someone who's driven by um, accomplishment and kind of self-competition. Um, I definitely do think about, and again, it's not, you know, driven by my family or, or, or my mom, but I do think about impact and legacy. And I think very much about, um, my, my family history being about, you know, the legacy of, um, of political freedom. And Mm. I feel like what I want to do is have an impact on economic freedom, um, Mm. for a lot of South African women. Um, so I do, I do kind of think about, and I do have a sense that, you know, with all of the um, advantage that I've had of a good education, great upbringing, amazing parents, um, a family legacy, I do kind of feel like, you know, if I just sat around um, wasting what I feel like is my potential, um, it, you know, it, I, it, would be, it would be a waste and I wouldn't feel satisfied and I wouldn't feel like, um, like I was living out my, my own potential. But I think what's important is that it isn't something that comes from, from outside. Um, you know, it, it, it isn't about um, 
you know, I, someone will be disappointed in me if I don't do this. It's very much about kind of connecting with what my, my personal purpose is um, mm -hmm. and, then, and then trying to live that out. And, and a lot of this has also just come about uh, as a result of, you know, doing personal work and kind of, you know, speaking to uh, coaches and that sort of thing and, you know, and, and trying to kind of um, align the two things, you know, the, the, the family legacy, my own legacy, my, you know, my own purpose, um, so it's been it's been a process getting there as well. Seems to be. Eh? Have you read the book by Ray Dalio? The, um, was it the, the, the um, principles of success? I haven't. I've watched a lot of his talks, but I haven't read the book. There's a video as well on YouTube. It's got eight series. It's only half an hour. I showed it to my kids on the weekend as well, and it's quite interesting because. I relate to you a lot. It's like every time I hit a goal or a target, I'm like, okay, what now? And so he almost shows it as like different mountain ranges and on each one there's like a little a jewel. And so you get to the top of one and then there's a, the next one's even higher. And then, and so it's, and that's the principle of life and success is about stretching yourself with another goal or something else yeah. because you have that need to, no, it's not about necessarily winning. It's about exploring what you brought on this earth to achieve. And so I see that. But I suppose yeah, the and momentum and moving forward as well. Like, you know, yeah. wanting the kind of, yeah, stasis, wanting to avoid stasis as in terms of personal, yeah. personal growth and development. Yeah, the worst thing is saying I had a boring life, right? I mean, like, no, I want to have <laughs> an exciting life. Absolutely. So, I mean, knowing, knowing that you want to achieve so much and knowing how economic freedom is a real purpose-driven opportunity for you. What, what are the things that worry you around women and gender entrepreneurship? So um, I wouldn't, you know, there aren't many things that, that worry me. I think also as part of this personal journey kind of, you know, um, um, but, but some of the things that I, that I think about and, and think, think about wanting to have a, an impact on um, are kind of, you know, how do you operate in a system that sometimes feels like it has so much against it. Mm. Um, you know, so, so even in the context of, you know, South Africa over the last few weeks, um, how do you help women to earn a good income, to upskill themselves, to, um, to educate themselves when so many women are dealing with the very basics of, you know, gender-based violence and do I just feel safe existing? You know, so it's kind of like, you know, on, on this hierarchy, on, you know, on Maslow's hierarchy, you're worried about just the base of like, you know, like, am mm. I safe? Is my existence safe? Um, mm. So, I, I, you know, I, I think about that. I, I consider that a lot. And, and, and I think about, you know, should I trying to, you know, be, be trying to do a bit more work around that as well? Um, obviously, running a business is, is in itself, you know, they, it comes with a lot of challenges. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, so many. And, and, and you kind of think when you start out, like, it's, you know, once I get to this point, everything will be fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the problems just, um, I mean, I wouldn't say they get bigger because they feel, they, they all feel as big, but uh, the problems are, they become more complex and yeah, there's more at stake. Yeah. And so... Um, Past the first level, the second level, then the third level, and so it's just a bigger issue. You've got the toolkit for first, second, and third, but now you need to get that toolkit for the, the next level. Whatever you're in now and whatever you're going to go into, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and, you know, and now there are more people involved. You've got employees and you've got, you know, in our case, we, you know, we started off with, you know, four, four women, four sweep stars, domestic workers on the platform. Um, they're now in any given month, about 5,000 women who we're thinking about. Um, and, you know, and the kind of ecosystem who we've worked with over the last few years is 20,000 women. So, you know, you, you kind of think about those numbers now and it feels very different to just the four in the beginning that you had to worry about. So, um, so I do think about kind of the, the, you know, the challenges and, and um, complexities behind running a business. Um, like a lot of technology businesses, we're not, we're not yet profitable. Um, mm. So think about, you know, investment and the current landscape and, um, you know, and business continuity. Um, but I'm also a big optimist. Um, and, you know, I, I, part of that just comes from my nature. And, you know, I feel like um, if you put good energy into things, um, you know, I, I feel like things will eventually turn out okay. And, and I also have a lot of um, self-belief. I, I work really hard. And I mm. believe that, you know, hard work directed in the right way results in positive outcome. So, um, so it's kind of like, you know, they, I know that there are huge challenges ahead and, and obviously the pandemic has thrown so many things up in the air. But I also kind of believe, and this is something, you know, from, from my parents as well, is the power of hard work and, you know, working hard, being able to solve problems just becomes a function of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you, if you put enough hard work into something and are given enough time, you'll, you'll solve whatever problems put in front of you. Yeah, I, I, I love that saying. I, I think that when I ever get frustrated, it's because I feel like time is against me. So I've got to do it quickly. And that, that often brings about frustration. Like, I've got to solve this problem now. But though <laughs> yeah. I use it, it will come to me, it will come. But, but I also agree with you that um, it's almost like having good karma, right? It's like yeah. thinking good things about good people and trying to focus on yeah. the positives and just thinking the best intentions. And so... Where do you see the future with with the the company? Because obviously, in in many ways, you've ticked boxes that ninety nine point nine percent of South African companies haven't ticked. I mean, you are, you know, a trailblazer in many ways for not just women entrepreneurs, all entrepreneurs, um, and not just South Africans for Africans. I think that there's you know what you've been able to achieve in terms of different rounds of funding and growing the business the way you have um, is, is amazing. And, and, and so I think the challenge is that not many people get to go through those different scenarios that you've gone through. Mm. And so it's about, so, so then I sort of ask myself, so what advice do you give to people who are looking yeah. for funding? And, and if you were going to do it again, what would be different? Um, yeah, I mean, so there's a lot, a lot in that question. I think, um, <laughs> How long have you been? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of have to, uh, I can talk a lot, especially when it comes to sweep stars. So <laughs> um, but um, I think, so, you know, when I think about the next, the next stages of the business, I mean, I think there's a lot of scale still, um, um, you know, within South the next Africa, few years. Or is that internationally Africa and the rest of the world? Both. So, you know, in South Africa, we've worked with 20,000 women. South Africa has a million domestic workers. Just looking at unemployment rates, you know, of, of let's say 30%, it's probably higher amongst domestic workers in the country. Definitely higher, will be higher as a result of the pandemic. But, you know, you're talking about then 300,000 women 
who potentially need help in connecting to work opportunities. So there's still a huge scope within South Africa. Um, we're also not just looking at domestic workers. We're looking at a whole range of, and, and some of it has also come about as a result of seeing the, the just, I mean, the sheer rate of, of job losses um, mm. at the moment. So, you know, we're looking at, can we provide a platform for anyone who's able to provide a service to be able to connect with someone who can pay a good rate for, for that service? Um, and I think it also speaks to the way that the world is going to shift as a result of all of this. So, you mm. know, the idea of gig remote economy. connections, the gig economy, um, mm. you know, people just, you know, this kind of relationship at, where there's an exchange, a, a, a digital virtual exchange um, yeah. of, of value, I think, um, is, is going to be a, a really big um, kind of feature of the way that we, we, we work and interact going forward. Um, so there's a lot of scope for growth. And then obviously that can all be extrapolated outside of South Africa as well. Um, I think in terms of, of my role, it's, it's challenging because on the one hand, you know, I do feel like there's still so much that I haven't done yet and still need to do um, with Sweep South. But on the other hand, I also recognize that, you know, there aren't many founders who have gotten to the stage or grown businesses to the stage in the country. There are even fewer female founders who've grown businesses to the stage. There are even fewer black female founders who've grown businesses to the stage. And I do kind of struggle a lot with um, the question of how much of my time do I dedicate to continuing to try and grow Sweep South, which does involve a lot of energy um, and, you know, and hard work. And then how much time goes to trying to, to help other founders and, you know, and, and people who want to start up businesses. Um, it, it's something that I struggled with a lot myself getting into the tech space. I didn't see people who looked like me, who I could really relate to on a personal level. Um, and, you know, and I struggled with it. I, you know, I was, it, it felt like a space that, that wasn't for me. It felt like a space that was intimidating. Um, yeah. And, and, and so, Less so, a lot, a lot less so. Um, but I mean, this is, you know, this is six, six years down the line. And I would say I've probably started to feel comfortable three or four years in. Um, yeah. And what brought so that about, that comfort? I think experience um, and, you know, and, and, and feeling comfortable just even with the language of startups, feeling comfortable speaking to other entrepreneurs and not, not feeling like, you know, I was going to be judged because I, I look differently or, you know, or, or I speak differently. Um, so from experience, um, some of it from, um, the, the kind of personal work that I've also been doing. And, and I think a lot of women who are in leadership spaces, um, should benefit, uh, should do this sort of thing. Cause it, it, it brings a lot of benefit. It's kind of just examining, um, you know, why you belong at a table, why you belong in a room, um, and, um, you know, and why you can have a conversation where you can be assertive and not feel like, you know, you're being rude or aggressive or um, so. So having to kind of unlearn a lot of the social conditioning that I think a, a lot of women um, are, are brought up with. Um, and, and, and that's that's also helped a lot. Well, I think it's a thing now, isn't it? Everybody has to unlearn what they learned before in their careers for years and years. The young people have got it easy, but... People have been in jobs, they've got to unlearn everything and relearn a whole new language. Every, we're, I mean, it's forcing us to be almost, I found, we've been in business for over 20 years, but I've never felt more 
like a startup <laughs> I do today because it's about you know speaking to customers is about seeing what's yeah you're celebrating every little sale every little win Absolutely. is yeah. big celebration so yeah and and sometimes you know that's 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 good like you know sometimes there's a there's a positive aspect to this sort of change where things are just thrown up in the air again and because this is all under a different context the pieces are going to fall differently from yeah. you know how they were sitting before um, yeah. and I, I you know I think the world is was a little bit um, ripe for a bit of disruption and a bit mm -hmm. of change in, in the way that that we do things yeah I, I certainly felt that way I thought um, we, we did the Africa Tech Week I don't know if you came to that or if you're involved but Salim Ishmael came out and, and he did his shock and awe presentation, which was basically industries have been dismantled in two, three years. And that was accelerating. It was getting quicker and quicker that whole industries were getting wiped out. And so I knew something was coming. I didn't obviously think it was going to be a virus. Um, and I thought that some people were being a little bit complacent. But, but wow, this is sort of, you know, in, in some ways, it's, it's, there's some interesting observations for me is that um, how quickly South Africans I think we were under one of the worst lockdowns to be fair um, yeah. most restrictive should I say yeah. not worst yeah one of the most successful in in saving lives but most restrictive in terms of business but I think I was surprised by how responsive everybody was in terms of changing their business and really going and digitally transforming themselves and how yeah. Um, resilient they were so has that had an impact on you do, you do you think that that's allowed you to look at other opportunities in the job market and other revenue streams now apart from we've had to we've had to yeah i mean you know our business was was locked down to you know to the point that you were making it was severe lockdown for for two months um yeah. you know virtually no income coming into the business you've got the same cost base um, and there's only so long that that can go on for. Um, yeah. So the runway I mean, we're shorted <laughs> to, to a large degree. I mean, and, and you know, we, we obviously were responsive to it. I think like a lot of um, responsible business owners have, have, have had to do. And so we had to take some really difficult decisions. Fortunately, we were able to avoid um, retrenchments, but I mean, we had to, you know, reduce salaries and um, and, and negotiate with a lot of our suppliers, landlords, et cetera. So, you know, it, but, but I mean, in addition to, to all of that, the, the gap was just, you know, the, the plug, um, the, the hole that needed to be plugged was just so big that we, we had to look at, you know, if this lasts for, for, you know, another month or two, like what, what are we going to do? Um, and so that did force us to think a bit more creatively. There were some plans that we had, um, that we had scheduled to, 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 to get going later this year or even next year that we had to just pull forward because, you know, we, we had to, we didn't have any choice. And so, um, yeah, we did things like, you know, put together an online shop where we sold a lot of, uh, disinfectant products. Um, we pulled forward the launch of our, our platform that has plumbers and electricians and, um, essential services workers. Um, we focused a bit more on, on outdoor work as well. So, um, you know, gardeners and pool cleaners who could work with virtually no contact, you know, someone who could come into your house, not even come into the house and do work outside and then, and then leave. So we did, we had to think a lot more, um, creatively. I think, um, even being allowed to operate again, we've had to think 
um, very differently uh, about our customers, how we market. Um, you know, I think a lot of businesses, um, and, and we're in the same boat, like, you, you know, you have to think about uh, marketing in a, in a way that's empathetic, that's conscious of the fact that, you know, there's a pandemic going on where we can't just kind of push a service that, that relies on human interaction without thinking about, like, what is the risk for both sides involved? And how mm. do we make people feel um, psychologically comfortable um, mm. about, you know, about, about using our services? So it's, it's also caused us to, to refocus on kind of the psychology of our customers and mm. on how to connect with people in a really empathetic way. Another, you know, big positive that's come out of this and, and, and to what you were saying about how South Africa has responded is being that, and I think as South Africans, we, we do this really well. In times of crisis, we, um, we, we do tend to kind of pull together really well. And I've seen just amazing campaigns with people who've, you know, gone out and, and delivered food parcels, mm. uh, people who've put together platforms to try and support businesses that have been, um, shut down during this time, you know, by buying vouchers for, to, to use at a later stage. Um, we had a, we set up a fund for, um, for the sweep stars, the domestic workers on the platform. While they weren't able to work, a lot of our investors, um, uh, or we had a lot of investment money go towards that. Um, one of our investors, the Dow Foundation, put six million rand into the fund. And then we had our customers also, which was amazing. I mean, over weeks, uh, about 40% of our customers on a continuous basis, just choosing to, um, continue supporting people, even though they weren't working for them. So um, I think, you know, it's really, really awesome on a positive side. It was really good. And I saw that. I was like, wow. It was one you of the first things we stuff. thought, right? You, you know, you go like, uh, on the one I mean, hand, is the business. Like I mean, men can't think <laughs> like that. <laughs> I think you're not giving men enough credit. A lot of businesses, I think, have, have, no, have, no. have responded really well. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, the nature of, of our team, and we've always been a business that is, uh, we're a for-profit business, um, yeah. but have always had a very strong um, social good element to what we do that's, that's, that's just baked into our purpose and mission. And so the first thing we thought about um, alongside, you know, cost cutting was how do we help to support sweep stars, especially not knowing how long the situation is going to last. And, you know, knowing how close so many of these women are to, you know, to, to the breadline, to just like, you know, each week of payments is the difference between having food and, and not. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I was kind of joking about the male thing, by the way, a little bit, but I think that sort of what, what is definitely true is that the role of leadership has become far more um, relevant now than ever yeah. before and and certainly you know the way we're looking at it is is empathetic leaders and those, those leaders who essentially i mean i don't want to to profile too much but you know essentially that the traits that women leaders generally have which is those yeah. soft skills you would say what we're seeing is that those leaders who exude that definitely those organizations and countries are dealing with this challenge in a better way from from a community or a company perspective do you see that yeah. that changing more and more do you see that yeah. as a yeah. as a trend that that now men and organizations are going to start waking up to the benefits of working with women do you, do you see that a big, a big shift 
Yeah, I mean, I think it was something that was definitely um, catalyzed by the the the, the YouTube the, the Me Too movement internationally, and um, I think this kind of calling out of of um, like really toxic practices that people were associating with um, with with you know like kind of typical male leadership. So it was something that I was seeing already over the last two years or so. A conversation that was happening a lot, um, you know, around technology startups, kind of, you know, Silicon Valley and, and Silicon Valley had its own Me Too moment. Um, and so there were a lot of conversations about, you know, male leadership uh, traits, you know, quote unquote, versus versus female leadership traits and why uh, we sort of associate <laughs> things like, um, you know, aggression and, uh, and, and assertiveness and, um, you know, the, the sort of chauvinistic type of like charisma with with being a good leader um so i think it was something that was happening already and i think what this crisis has done is 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 just kind of accelerate that and then and then obviously also just put these models up with you know women business leaders um you know women who who hearing up countries that have responded well um you know new zealand being a good example um, so, you know, I think it's just shone a light on, on really good examples of that. Um, and yeah, and I think, you know, and again, I think that's, you know, that's a good thing. I think, um, the problem with all of these things is that if there's one type of profile that's associated with leadership, everyone, including women will, you know, will form that association. And the more that happens, the more we pattern match and it just goes on like that, you know? And so... Um, these sorts of situations that kind of force a different view of things um, can also, you know, be, be, be really good. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, I've seen some um, uh, releases by companies about their responses to the, to the pandemic. And, um, and I, I always read it and then, you know, kind of, it's, it, it is clear to, to kind of guess whether it's a, a, a male or female leader uh, who's written it, but like, you know, these sort of responses that are very just like, you know, matter of fact and to the point and are, they just, they just seem so out of place, um, mm. you know, with, with, um, with the kind of, yeah, with the sort of leadership that's needed at the moment. I mean, a good example for me is, um, is Brian Chesky. So the, the CEO of Airbnb, and he wrote an amazing letter to his staff um, when they, they had to, to lay off, I think it was something like 25% of, of their yeah. their international stuff i think you know and and it was just a beautifully written heartfelt honest way of um of expressing what was going on and i think people really appreciate that at the moment for sure uh, yeah that in the integrity and and authenticity of of leadership it's 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 putting a spotlight on it i mean one of the things that we also seeing is that there's a lot of women who are venturing into entrepreneurship uh, um, in the township economies and in, yeah. in business generally, there, there seems to be the start of the shift. And I think that the, the, certainly the big concern, if I speak to someone like Standard Bank, is how do we help them survive this? Because we've done so much to get them to this way. I mean, yeah. you know, as somebody who, who sort of is an early you know, start up yourself. I mean, are there things that are there like pearls of wisdom that you would give 
these women startups, is there, is there practical things or principles that you would give them? Yeah, I mean, so, so for other women who are wanting to, to start up businesses, I think the, the advice kind of remains the same. You know, I think it's, you, you need to, um, so firstly, I think the first thing is, is actually that you, you should trust your gut and intuition. And I think this is for women or men. Um, you know, I think any advice um, is, is advice. And, um, but, you know, sorry, I, I missed that, Rob. Don't listen to your mum. <laughs> well, my mom, my mom told me not to start a startup. So yes, don't listen to your mom. <laughs> um, but, you know, trust, trust your gut, trust your intuition. Um, there is a lot of advice that's thrown around, but I think, you know, if, if you've got a good head on your shoulders, you'll know, you'll know what's right. Um, you've got to sense check your idea, obviously. And, and, you know, and as much as you love it yourself personally, which is a prerequisite for starting a startup, it's, you know, your idea should be something you feel absolutely passionate about, but then also sense check it against the market. Um, you know, if you have some crazy idea and every single person you speak to thinks that it's, you know, um, that it, it doesn't make sense or, you know, or, or that there's no need for it, I would, I would question things. Um, that's difficult because entrepreneurs also have to have a good sense of kind of the future and what the future is going to look like. And, um, and so even in the case of Sweep South, a lot of people were kind of like, ah, I, you know, I don't know if that's going to work. What about safety? What about, you know, um, and uh, so, so you've got to have kind of a good, a good mix of um, listen to people, but don't, don't take what they say as gospel. Um, having good partners, absolutely integral um mm. and i actually think during this time there's a lot of opportunity for someone who's working in you know a, a startup that's based in the township economy for example to to look at like you know how do i partner up with corporates who are trying to get into the space how do i partner up with investors who don't understand the space so i think partnerships are super important both in terms of who you bring into your business who you start your business with but also can be really powerful um, if you if you pick good uh, good partners to to kind of um, to you know have joint campaigns with or be, ex- yeah exactly to, to kind of promote the business and fund it and um, and how, how do you how do you find it working with your husband I mean did you did you get married after or before I mean, you must have been after you must have been before was it before it was before did, so we've been did you work together before. We, we didn't. We hadn't worked together before. Um, we'd, we'd been married for about four or five years before starting Sweep South. Um, no. But it never, you know, had never worked together. We're very different personalities. Um, I, um, <laughs> I, I think it worked because of that. Um, but it's yeah. been challenging as well. Um, yeah. You know, I it was I'm brought the up opposite again. of my wife. Oh, we're, and, we're so I think those things can work. They can also go very badly. <laughs> um, so I'd, you know, I'd, I'd uh, worked in management consulting for a bit. Um, I think coming from a political family, I'm always kind of very aware of the power of communication and how you communicate things. Um, my husband and co-founder is, he's a, he's an engineer. He's a software engineer. He's very straightforward. Um, he's also Eastern European. So he's, uh, originally from Croatia where you know you wear your heart on your sleeve you say what it is that you mean um 
my mom also grew up in in England, so you know it's also kind of the beating around the bush, and you say things in a really diplomatic way. Um, so it was really difficult initially to 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 try and understand. You know, he would get frustrated with me, like just say it, um, and I would and I would get frustrated with him and be like, "You're so rude." Um, so, <laughs> so, um, so that was you know that was that was quite uh, quite challenging, but I think. Um, you know, beyond that, it's been, it's, it's really been powerful having two people who, um, are very similar in terms of values and, and big picture what it is that we're trying to do, but have different ways of thinking in, in how you get to that. And I think because there's so much respect in our relationship, um, it can result in just, yeah, like really amazing conversations and ideas. Um, I, we really enjoy spending time together. I mean, um, lockdown and working together and living together has actually been has been great. Um, I'm also a bit of an introvert, so I'm you know I'm fine with just speaking to my my husband and co-founder and you know not too many people outside of that. But I think on the flip side of that, the 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 danger is that um, everything can kind of become about work and it can consume you know everything, including your relationship. Um, so we've we've had to be careful about that as well. Um, but I think, you know, if you've got complementary skill sets, complementary personalities, if you can navigate um, being sensitive about things, um, you know, I, I, I think there, there's some good cases to be made for, for certain types of um, couples being really good partners working together. And, and I mean, when did you get your first round of funding and, and what would your advice be to someone who's looking to... Because I think there's... The, um, you know, there's some principles around investing in startups and getting finance. And some of the things that sort of I was educated around was that, you know, there's three things that a startup needs. It needs knowledge, needs networks, and it needs funding. But with the, with the right network, if you've got the right network, if you've got one company and you mentioned it, a partnership or a big company, and it could be a big company taking a stake in your company. But, but if you've got that network, then you don't need the funding because the funding's only there while you get enough revenue in if you're going to scale to probably the level you're you're scaling but i mean how did you find the, the funding side of things because you've you know you've gone through various stages and and you've you've got a respectable amount of funding from very very respectable organizations like you mentioned the dell foundation michael and susan naspers yeah put was that, did Putty invest in you after she came or was that already on the table beforehand? So, so she, so she invested, well, she didn't personally invest. It was NASPAS Foundry who invested and she's, she obviously heads up NASPAS. And I think, um, it, it almost happened at the same time. Um, so, uh, so the first time I met her in person actually was, uh, was at a, a, a top woman event, I think. Um, yes, and, yeah. uh, and, um, and a few, I mean, yeah, a few years later, kind of, we were speaking to Naspers um, and Foundry, and they hadn't yet announced who the CEO would be. And I think around the same time as we we closed, I think they announced that um, that she was the new CEO. So it was, yeah. And she actually messaged me afterwards and said, yeah, you know, um, I, you know, I, I couldn't kind of say anything to you because it was it was, it was all happening. Um, but uh, you know, congratulations and and me congratulations to her and Stephanie. I'm very excited about that. Obviously, having a a, a woman and a and a black woman heading up um, 
that was, I think, yeah, just amazing. She's obviously, you know, so accomplished. For sure. And, you know, she was on our cover. I think you were there at the event. She was spoke at as well and the attention she got. But I think it's, it's I think what's interesting, I think they're, they're going to be spending, what is it? Is it $100 million or is it 2 billion rand? I can't remember which one it is, but it's a significant amount that they're going to be investing in in Africa. And to have a black woman leading that round of investment indirectly, I know yeah. she's got a team that does the due diligence. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's incredible. I think it's I think it's um, 1.3 billion rand, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, and 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 what I also think is 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 incredible is that it's you know how it was how it came about was through the investment conference um, that the president had in um, in October 2018. And so you know it's funding for South African and 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 I think specifically South African businesses that 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 want to scale. But there's a very specific element that's about job creation, um, which I think is is great. You know, I think I think you can have these businesses that are for profit, that are scalable, that grow quickly, that are technology driven, but that also are really conscious of social impact and positive social impact. Um, I think that's going to be a future of you know of a lot more businesses. Um, but but around um, Funding. I mean, that's you know we we've been fortunate. Absolutely sustainable businesses, <laughs> and and actually that would be, and so that would be you know my first piece of advice actually to other entrepreneurs who who want to get funding. I think the first thing is, do you need it? To your yeah. point, you know, is there or is there you know do you need it and do you want it? We've been intentional about building a business that does need funding to get to a certain point, and then post that won't need funding, and yeah. part of that has been targeting strategically targeting the right types of investors as well. Um, you know, who can help us from a experience, scaling, access to market point of view. But I mean, I definitely, you know, and would say if you don't value. need funding. That, yes, absolutely. And they should, important. And the Dell Foundation showed that at the beginning with that donation. I mean, that's just, a, a, I mean, that was not part of the deal. I mean, not part of the deal. it was not originally part of the deal. Exactly. And I think that's the power of, of having, you know, investors on board who, who get what it is that you you are and are trying to do as a as a as a business. Um, so we've been intentional about it. But I think if you don't need funding, don't take it. Um, mm. If you don't have like seriously question if you can't get funding from from good investors, then also seriously question the funding. You know, I would much rather, for example, have no funding um, than have funding from an investor who is going to mess with my business, who isn't aligned with me in terms of you know, the strategy of the business or kind of personal values and, and, and goals. Um, I think Warren Buffett says it quite well, doesn't he? He says he only likes to work with people he likes and trusts. And yeah, and that, you know, that ties in. Business, that it's, it, you, you, really, you work it out, right? The, the troublemakers, the naughty people are just, I don't know. Not worth it. Not They're worth not worth it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, his idea of investment being long term, kind of, the, you know, value investing. Um, I think a lot of young entrepreneurs make the mistake as well of thinking, you know, I'm going to take this money and then, you know, in two or three years, I can get rid of the investors or, or everything will be fine. Everything, you know, like things won't go wrong. So I don't have to worry about, you know, is this someone that I want to be um, 
you know, in my, in my house if, if things go badly? Um, is it someone who I trust to not, you know, try and boot me out or, you know, or try and pull a fast one on the company? And so we, I think we, you know, we have to think about those things as, as entrepreneurs as well when we think about the investment journey. Um, I also, another piece of advice that I'd give to, to, to any, anyone starting a business is, is um, to try and form those networks. Um, yeah they can be absolutely invaluable and, and, and form them without the intention of wanting to get something out of a, a, you know, a, a relationship uh, initially. You know, it's maybe an investor who you just chat to and you, know, you want to pick their brain and let them know that you exist. But the best sort of interaction with investors is when you aren't desperate for money. I mean, you're just going, hey, you know, what are you interested in? This is what we're doing you know, let's maybe just keep in touch and chat at a later stage. Um, it just takes so much pressure off that interaction. Yeah. I mean, do, do, you, do you think that you, from a networking perspective, do, do you think that that came naturally or do you think it's something you had to work at? Um, um, I, I, it was something I had to work at. I'm quite introverted by nature. Um, I don't really, I don't enjoy putting myself out there. Um, so it was something that I hadn't, um, I find it easier, but it's, but it's energy draining. Um, so, so I, you know, I, I, I try and limit it, um, you know, and I know that it's, you know, leading up to a, an interview, a meeting with someone who I don't know, um, yeah. leading up to it, it's going to take quite a bit of energy. I'm going to be thinking about it a lot. I'm going to be, you know, running the conversation through my mind and then post it. I'm going to be quite tired as well. Um, yeah. so I try and limit the, the number that I, that I do, you know, in a, in a week. Um, but, but I think it's, I've realized that it's something that is just so important because especially being introverted, it's horrible doing those things with the added pressure on top of like, I need to get something out of this, like now, you know, in a short, in a short time frame. So I've definitely become more comfortable at it. I think even with pitching investors, for example, you kind of get a script and you, you know, you get into what works and what doesn't work and you, you get better at reading people. Um, but that's kind of the networking um, as a skill, but not something that seems extractive and, and, and fake and disingenuous. Um, that's something that you can only really do with practice. Um, but I think that's the thing, right? And that's what I suppose I asked. I kind of knew the answer in a way. Because I had the same thing, like getting up on stage and talking to people or whatever. It's taken me years to get to a position where I feel comfortable. Um, yeah. and, and you're always worrying what people are going to think. Is it yeah. going to be hard? You don't want to mess yeah. up. But I actually realize now that I, I almost quite enjoy it. It's not, it's not like I'm looking for it, but I, I, I almost can enjoy it now because I know that it's just me. I'm just Ralph and you know, you're Aisha and we're just talking and like, you know, and, and I suppose the thing is that we all do struggle actually. And that yeah, it's just exactly. good yeah. enough times it can, it's like riding a bike. It's like anything, yeah. but you need to do it. Like if you yeah. want to run a business, no, I, you want to be an entrepreneur, you've got to knock on doors, you've got to get out yeah. there. You've got to speak to people because yeah. they're the ones who can help you make things happen. I think that's the, exactly. That's the it's not like we're great exactly. or, no, exactly. And, 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 and it's not like we haven't been turned down or rejected by people or ignored by people, um, no. you know, who emailed us or had bad talks. Like all of that stuff has happened. 
Um, but it's just that you, you know, you, you kind of persevere and, and, and continue doing it. Um, and I think what I've also learned to do is kind of reframe uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, so like I'm, I'm going to do a talk, for example, and I'm, you know, nervous and I try and think about it as this is a chance for me to talk about sweep south, which is the thing that I love. This nervousness <laughs> is the other side of excitement. Um, so let's focus on, you know, feeling excited about talking about the thing that I love. It doesn't work all the time. <laughs> um, analogy though, get excited about it because I think that's the key thing, right? Is that if you're excited, you'll excite other people. If you get excited yeah. other people, then it's fun. Absolutely. But if you're nervous or you've got problems and you're framing it like that, then it's not going to be so fun and then you're not going to enjoy yeah. it. And then they're definitely yeah. not going to enjoy it. So yes, Absolutely. Yeah. People can read off of that energy. Yeah. So I think that's the problem that we've got with sometimes this digital world where we used to like peak. We've done, I've done some masterclasses where there's like two or 300 people and I can't see anyone. So I'm like, talk, I feel like I'm talking to myself. Um, <laughs> so even the podcast we did without seeing each other and us, me and Tim were discussing earlier, like, no, it makes more sense to see someone because you can feel that. And I think as humans, it's about that. And that's why I think yeah. partnerships are good recruiting the right people, working with people, because they, you want someone who's going to get the best out of you. I mean, I feel like that's, that's really important for me. Yeah, I'm a big believer in energy and like the power of good energy um, just being reflected off of people from both sides. It's, it's I mean, it, it could really um, have, have great outcomes. So, I mean, we're speaking only about your mum and, you know, for me, she's got great energy. Um, I'm a big fan. I don't know if she knows or not. She probably, she probably feels like a stalker, you know, but um, <laughs> so I, I've, had a, I've had the privilege of spending a couple of evenings with her at our different events where she's come and spoken. Mm. And um, she's quite a practical down-to-earth person, but she's quite funny as well in her own little way. She's got a, a wicked sense of humour. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, we were talking about it earlier, but, I mean, I think you as a startup and I, and I, I listened to the president's plan of creating jobs and as an entrepreneur, I think probably a little bit differently. I, I look at the, the, the challenges that a lot of big businesses are under actually. And I see that their capacity to recruit more people is deteriorating by the, by the, and it's not just COVID, you know, we can blame COVID for a lot of things, but I think things like digital transformation was coming anyway. Yeah. Um, and we know we needed more entrepreneurs. And so I'm often intrigued how someone who's, who, who, who's got a very close connection to some within government, how it is to communicate about some of the challenges that some of these startups are mm -hmm. going through and how do we, how, what are the practical things we can do to, to improve the environments for, for the startups? How do you find that? I mean, so I'm giving you, I can feel it, but it, um, it is a difficult, no, it's, it's something that I'm, that I'm thinking about. Um, you know, so, so I think, um, and, and, and you'll also probably recognize this having, having met my mom a, a good few times. Um, yeah. you, she's someone who, um, to engage her on something, um, you have got to come knowing what you're talking about mm. and, you know, and, and being prepared. So it's certainly not the case that, as an example, you know, I could go to her, um, you know, two months into starting a business and start to tell her about, you know, how to 
you know, how, how to be part of helping to make South Africa and, you know, and the economy more friendly for startup businesses, you know, like, so, so, so there's no, with her, there's no, um, I, I have an in, um, by virtue of, you know, me being her daughter, for example, I've got to, you know, sh I've got to make sure that I'm saying things that make sense. Um, mm. she's going to interrogate me. Um, and so I think now with Sweep South and, you know, and, and kind of six years into, into running the business. And I think a lot of external things also kind of, as you say, leading up to this recognition that it's new businesses, it's technology enabled businesses that are going to grow the economy. And I think then having a daughter who's in that space and who is growing a business mm. at a, at a really fast rate, I think that has given me the, the opportunity mm. to, you know, to speak to her. And she's not necessarily going to agree with everything that I say. And I also recognize that there are a lot of complexities for her and for, you know, and, and for government to consider. We have such a challenging, um, uh, kind of our socioeconomic circumstances are really challenging, really challenging. I, I, you know, I, I would hate to be in government, like having experienced being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. And putting energy behind something and just saying, I want to do it and I'm going to put effort into it and then doing it. I would, I would never be able to do that as someone in government because, you know, there are just so many complexities. Um, mm. But, you know, that said, I, I do feel like um, um, I'm able to talk to her about some of the challenges we've faced as, as a business. She can see the growth that our business has had, the way that technology has enabled us to grow, you know, 10x, 5x, 3x, or whatever, you know, with from year to year. Um, and, you know, and, and can see that with her own eyes. And I think it does kind of, you know, it, 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 um, it helps to kind of build the case for supporting young businesses. The president also has children who are involved in, in business, um, as do a lot of, you know, a lot of um, um, ministers in government. And so, um, yeah, I do, you know, I think that there are definitely... Um, coming around to this idea and, and have come around to this idea that this is really the only sustainable way to build the economy. Um, and if you need to build the economy, I, it's not with established businesses. Their rate of growth has been, you know, single digit, if not negative, um, you know, especially just looking at, you know, the number of employees over time. So if you're looking at job creation coupled with economic growth, the only way to do it is with new businesses, most likely, you know, SMEs. And mm -hmm. if those businesses are tech enabled, which will result in a faster rate of growth, then all the better. Um, yeah. But a lot has, has to change um, to support that as well. I mean, if you've got, you know, a large majority of the economy that don't have access to, to good internet or to internet at all, then mm -hmm. there's absolutely no point saying that, you know, we're gonna employ people in, in digital businesses. Um, or serve people digital, you know, services and products. If people aren't educated, there's no point. If they don't have a good basic education, there's no point saying I'm going to employ them in a, you know, in a tech business. Um, so there are a lot of things that have to change to help facilitate that. And I think that's actually what government should be focusing on is how are we the enabler and how do we make things easier for all of these amazing businesses that, um, that are already being formed and, and are growing around the country. I mean, I, I look at it as a slightly different challenge. And I think that we, we seem to um, place ourselves in little nodes. So I'm a startup and I think like a startup and academics don't have it right because I don't know, actually, you know, uh, <laughs> too much theory. 
government's not quick enough to respond to us and the corporates well you know they're the, the legacy businesses and and so and i noticed that each grouping has their own unique views on the other groups and so i actually the reason i asked is because i see the solution is bringing all stakeholders together because actually each person has their own unique challenges that if we could understand each of us we'll be able to solve some of these issues and i think it's about I think it's great that we have ministers who have children who are, you know, in business because, you know, it's around, I, I, I truly believe that business is going to create the environment that we have a thriving society. And it's not about business taking profits, but it's about business supplying goods and services and solving society's problems. Yep. And, and yep. we haven't been an enabler to that. But, and I do think that big business has, has a large role to play because in a way they're responsible for so many people's lives and families' lives, the amount of people they employ, the goods and services they produce. You know, banks aren't just going to topple over and go away. Yep. Um, insurance companies, same thing. You know, these guys are adapting. Look at, you know, so many of the organizations, they're adapting so quickly with technology. So for me, it's around how do we bring more stakeholders together um, yeah, and and it's happening. I, you know, I, I, it's it's happening. I, I, you know, you look at um, banks that have had partnerships with startups, um, have acquired startups, um, are you know are sponsoring um, incubation programs uh, or you know co-working spaces. Um, I think a big benefit that we have is a president who has business experience and understands this. Um, I think he's played a big part in in bringing together different sectors of the economy. Um, but I think it well, also has to happen in a way. It absolutely was isolated before. Yeah. And and a lot of frustration and kind of blaming. And I think but, but it has to happen in a way. It does in a good way. And and, and I think um, with, with the level playing field a little bit, because I also feel like, you know, um, established businesses, big corporates need to also honestly reassess and recognize the position that they're in. Um, you know, and I've had conversations like that with some potential corporate partners where they've honestly said, you know, we can see ourselves being disrupted by, you know, businesses like yours in, you know, the next few years. It's so refreshing to have a conversation like that versus, um, you know, we, you, 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 can, you have the opportunity to partner with us. Um, you know, we're going to take six months to sign a piece of paper you know, um, and then, you know, this interaction is going to be, you know, you waiting for a year for anything to happen. Like, you know, so, so I think people are definitely behaving a lot better around these interactions. Um, and, and yeah, I agree with you is that, you know, everyone has, has got to be involved. I think um, the idea of like just, you know, government or just big business or just startups or just society is going to be the answer. That's, I mean, that's, it's impossible. Is, is one of the answers education? I mean, you studied for a long time. Your mother was a minister of education. There's evidence that shows that um, women, the longer they're educated, the more successful they are. Um, and, and I think there's also, you know, that you've got this other side, this, these young people who have got this energy to create income and opportunities for themselves, right? So yeah. how do you balance that? How do you balance yeah. that need for education, these qualifications, what's relevant, 
And, yeah. and at the same time, these people who've got this passion in their bellies, they want to get out there and do their own businesses. What's your, what's your sense on that? It's... I mean, I think, I think education is, is incredibly important, but not necessarily in the way that um, I think it gets promoted as a factor of success. So I don't think, for example, that you need to go through 12 years of you know, curriculum-based schooling and then three years of a, you know, a, a graduate education and then, and then, and then. Um, yeah. I think the benefit now is that education just literally means educating yourself. And I yeah. think, again, like technology can play such a huge role in that, in, in being an equalizer and, and, and giving people equal opportunity to education and education yeah. that is purpose-based. So, um, you know, you can be an amazing creative, uh, visionary entrepreneur with lots of energy. But if you don't know um, basic finances, you're going to, you know, you're going to get to a point very quickly where you struggle. Um, yeah. But you don't need to learn that by doing accounting at university. You can learn that by taking, you know, a couple of MOOCs, right. you know, online. Um, mm. And so, and so I think the idea of credentials is probably, um, going to be it's going to shift a bit and the importance of credentials you see it happening in the states where you know even the idea of like an mba is is questioned um as a prerequisite to starting a business um there's a lot of question about the cost of education you know and and the kind of you know crippling kind of debt associated with uh tertiary education and you know going to an ivy league school so so i think um Credentials are going to be kind of deprioritized. And I think um, practical experience is, is, is going to be more important. And practical as in, you know, this education is suited towards me doing, you know, that, what I'm doing. Um, so kind of more purpose-driven. And that also allows you to mix the types of education that you get in a way that makes sense to you. So, you know, the idea of someone who is... Um, using the kind of example that Steve Jobs loved to use, but like, you know, someone who is um, creative and like a fine arts student and then also does engineering and, you know, mm -hmm. so understands how to design beautiful products that have amazing UX. Um, you know, so like, whereas a university will be, you know, this is your course that you're on, you know, these are your, and you might have one or two electives. Like now you can go, well, I want to do this thing. And so I'm going to tailor make my education to make mm -hmm. me the person who is uniquely suited with my background, education, skills, personality. I know you're a rock star, like you're, you know, you, some people, unfortunately, you've got to almost give themselves to the world. Like you've got, you know, you've got that thing where you're, you're, people trust you, people like you, you've done it, which is, you know, everybody says, ah, you've got to do it to, achieve things. And so I sometimes wonder, is that a lot of pressure to know that, that there's so many young women and professional women and probably men as well, to be fair, like me, I'm like, wow, I was really excited to speak to you because I think what you've achieved is, is freaking massive for any entrepreneur, young, old, whatever. Um, how does that sit with you? That is that a pressure? Is that like a cool thing? Is that like, leave me alone and let me be with my children? Um, I, I think um, 
So another thing that I was, that I was brought up with um, and that I only really thought about um, when I was a little bit older was um, the idea of being of service to other people. Um, mm. So this idea that, and, and my mom always used to say, um, like we've been given things um, so that we can give others. Um, mm. And and so this idea of like, you know, you, I, I don't know. So I, I suppose on the one hand, it's, um, there's the idea of, you know, like how, how does that being of service manifest itself for you? And, and, and I think in some ways for me, it is more, you know, there are more people that I have to kind of interact with and, and think about being a good example to, I suppose, than other people. Um, but it's something that I've just been brought up with, like this, this notion of, um, you're not an island. Um, your um, your impact, your ability to say that you've you know had a life that's been worthwhile is very closely tied to having a positive impact on other people. Um, you know, I think kind of going back to the discussion we had about energy and and pressure and you know making sure you look after yourself. I think you know the thing that I've that I've said to my mom a lot is that you know they can they can be the extreme of that as well where your entire life, and I, I think she's an example of this, is where, you know, your entire life is about service and, and, you know, you're literally from when you wake up in the morning to when you go to bed, literally, it's all about other people. Um, and, you know, doing your work and worrying about, you know, other people and people are emailing you for help and, you know, family, you know, need help and support and financial support and, 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 you know, so I think you've got to draw a line. You've got to make sure that there's enough, you know, in the tank for yourself. Um, but, but I'm very comfortable with the idea of, um, you know, being a, being a good example, thinking about the impact that I have on other people, knowing that I probably have and, and will have a, a, a wider um, kind of impact um, in terms of people, you know, knowing what you do and being interested in what you do and, and, and hopefully being inspired by what you do. Then, then I think a lot of other people. But it is, it's something that, 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 that I'm okay with. And I think, again, because it, it comes from, from a good place. Um, mm. I mean, yeah, and I, you know, in, initially I did. I mean, I kind of, you know, I remember um, um, a few years into to starting Sweep South, and I, you know, I, I, I said to my mom, I was, I was like, Mom, why are people asking me to do interviews? I haven't done anything. Like, I haven't really accomplished anything big yet. Um, and I, I also, you know, like, I don't know how comfortable I feel with like being this person, you know, that people are looking up to when I don't feel like I've accomplished that much yet. And, you know, and she said to me, look at, and in fact, Megan Markle also said this, um, when I met her on there very briefly on their, on, on their visit to, to South Africa. But, you know, when you think about that, you know, person, so whether it's some young girl or young boy who looks at you and sees something of themselves in you and sees opportunity for themselves and potential for themselves, like that's important to them. Um, mm. And as much as I didn't see someone like that reflect in the tech industry and it felt exclusionary to me, um, you know, if, if I'm able to make someone feel like the space is more relatable because I'm in that space, then, then I'm okay with, you know, the pressure and, and it being tiring and, you know, and, and, feeling like I've got to be this example to people. Mm. I mean, I mean, you say about your mum being in service, but um, she, 
she should be retiring. I think she said she wanted to, but she got asked to help out again. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was the last year she did a doctorate. I mean, yeah. you know, crazy the example that she set. And I was sort of going to ask you, you know, um, how much impact does, does um, upbringing your parents have? But I mean, you, you've had icons <laughs> bring you up. So, but I mean, with, with top women, um, you know, we, we reflect and we're saying, what could we do? We can't do the usual event. Well, how do we do? How do we create impact? How do we help people? And so one of the things that we're looking to do is to have this virtual global event. Sandbank's not shy from having big goals, but um, they want 10,000 women in Africa to participate in a virtual global summit and getting global icons, not that to mention anybody, to this event. Is that the sort of thing that we can ask you to get involved in? A bit rude to ask you on camera, but you know. <laughs> so we're putting someone on the spot. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, no, 100%. I think, um, you know, I think on one hand, I am, I'm, I'm um, in engaging with, with anyone at the moment. I'm kind of conscious that I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to lead and continue to build a business that's in crisis. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, crisis in the way that a lot of other businesses are, um, like you know, every, so like every business. Exactly. Exactly. And so, um, so, you know, time wise, it's, it's difficult to, to commit, but I think the idea of, you know, something big that helps to bring women together, promote and inspire them. I, it's, it's difficult for me to say no to something like that. Um, I mean, and, you know, and yeah, and if it's, if it's, you know, women, a lot of women, from from across you know uh, uh, from across the continent, for example, I just yeah I, I think that would be amazing. Thank you. Um, we we abuse you, I know we do, but um, it's for a good cause. It's so, for a good cause, so it's my pleasure. <laughs> well, I think I, I think that it's the time now that, that women are looking for more inspiration and help because we're seeing the challenges. Um, we, we're seeing some personal challenges in terms of home environments. So this is a time where they really, and, and obviously the economy shrinking, it's a time more than ever that they need someone to give them hope and inspiration Absolutely. and to think differently. Um, yeah. do, you have, do you have any habits that you think help you? So I, I remember I used to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and for a long time I thought it helped me but then I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> so <laughs> I often think now, and Jeff Bezos said it, he said he tries to get eight hours sleep because he knows he's got to make three big decisions every day. Yeah. I mean, it, it, is there any habits you think or principles you think that bring about success for you? Um, yeah, so, so focus is, is super important. Um, you know, there's a reason why Jeff Bezos, who's someone who's incredibly intelligent, only focuses on three things a day. Um, so, so that's been very important for me is um, every day before going to bed, um, I think about, you know, what are the, the three, and sometimes it's usually between three and five, but what are the must things that I, that I should accomplish um, in that day? And sometimes I don't get to do them, but if I don't get to do them and they're still important, then it just moves over to the next day. I write all of this in a physical, um, you know, diary because I like the I like the feeling of crossing one of those things off as I'm going through the day. Um, I also um, 
I, so, so as a productivity thing, I, um, I, I, I like to be in um, spaces where I can have a, it, ha- it doesn't have to be long. And, and in fact, it's better if it's relatively short, like an hour or two, but focused time um, yep. where I'm just directing that time without um, phone calls, emails, disruptions. Um, and, you know, so I try and accomplish those things in a relatively short window as well. Um, yep. For me, in the morning is better. So, um, you know, as, as much as I, I'm not a, I, I could not wake up at, at 5 a.m., um, probably not, not for a while with all of, all of the kids uh, um, and all of the interruptions at night with the kids. But, but definitely trying to be productive in the morning works for me. You know, I know different people have different um, kind of peak productivity times. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I use a white noise generator as well. So it just helps me to kind of zone in on what it is, whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, and then another habit for me that is, that has been helpful. I've been, you know, kind of done it and then not done it, but is exercise. Um, it's just, it's, yeah, just feeling good. Um, and eating well, it's, you know, it's, it's right up there with sleep for me. Yeah. No, I think I, I agree with you. I think that, um, I think what I've learned is that I had good habits. They went out the window with COVID. And, and actually, I've realized that the coping mechanism is the things within my control. So it's what I'm eating, yeah. it's how I'm resting, it's how disciplined I'm getting, trying to think about the things that worked before. And certainly, you're right, it's like eating is, you know, it's that nutrients, it's going to give you that focus, it's going to give you that energy. I'm, I mean, you said um, focus is a big thing. I, I also think energy, you know, we, you, you've got so much time. Yeah. You've got so much energy and you've got so much focus in a day. Yeah. And for me, it's around how do I build everything I'm doing around that? How do I come and show up to the things I want to do and people know that I'm intentional? And so I need to eat Absolutely. well, um, you know, be exercised. I need to look after me. If I'm not looking after me, well, I'm not really going to be very useful to a lot of other people or customers or my family or I'm going to be grouchy. And yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. No, I, I think. I mean, couldn't couldn't say it better. It's, that's that's exactly it. And I think, um, I think a lot of people went through that stage, like in the beginning with with COVID and and lockdown. Is the kind of like, oh, this is so weird and so bad. And like, I'm at home. I can be in my pajamas all day, and you know, and I can eat rubbish. And like, you know, and and the quicker you can get yourself out of that, exactly as you say, the quicker you can. Uh, you have that energy that you can can harness and, and direct to to good things. Energy in itself is a is a habit for me. Um, kind of generating and focusing on good energy. I just believe so much, and and I've you know I've got a science background, um, and I've had to really try and reconcile what I felt was the wishy washy with the the actual science behind this concept of you know good energy. Um, but I just think so much of interaction is about energy and so a habit for me is also just optimism bringing trying to be, bring good energy into interactions when there's something i'm dreading or i feel negative about if i just change that perspective it does so much um and how do you change that perspective i mean reframing things so you know a lot of it is kind of the the the, the philosophical way of thinking about things and the kind of um you know, taking from the, the kind of Buddhist ways of thinking about situations and feelings and self and ego. And, but, you know, it's, it's so easy just to, to, to change a thought, like to rephrase. It's a conscious rephrasing of 
of the way that you approach something. Um, and I think again, to, to a point that you made is the understanding that the power to change the situation, it's just about you. Like, you know, it's, it literally, um, is within you to say, this is a terrible, you know, crisis calamity and to change that into, Hmm, this is interesting. Um, it's something I haven't dealt with before. It's an opportunity for me to learn and maybe an opportunity for me to do well out of, you know, um, to grow out of. Um, so it's a, it's a very conscious thing. And, and, and another habit that that's helped with is I, I limit social media. I found that, oh man, like Twitter can just turn me into, it can, it can turn like, you know, a good, a good morning into just, oh man. Um, so limit social media and then, and definitely not social media before bed. Cause I feel like, you know, you kind of sleeping on bad things and bad news and bad energy is not a, not a good thing. And so at the end of the day, I also try and read something that's positive, that's uplifting. And I reflect on the positive things I've done for the day and on the positive things I'm going to do the next day. That gratitude is important, right? Just what the positive things were. But you're right. 100%. I mean, I, I did some triathlons and then it came to race day. We were trained for months and months and months. And I'd obviously wanting a good result. But one of the things we intentionally focused on was if things go wrong. So we actually yeah. worked out by coach and I say, if this goes wrong, what do I do? So that when, it, if it did go wrong, it wasn't a surprise. Yeah. It wasn't us in panic stations and whatever. It was like, let, let's look out for that. It wasn't like we were looking for it to come because, you know, it would only happen once or twice, but, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah think, absolutely. Applying that to a business as well, having a plan, not a plan for the best, but a plan for what could go wrong um, as well. And how do you deal with that so that you're not panicking? Super important. Super important. Um, yeah. So, so with founders and, and, and particularly in the tech space, but I think actually in general with business owners, I mean, there's a lot of pressure and you put a, a lot into it. You know, with Sweep South, we, you know, we sold our home and everything in our home and our car and, you know, and, and put everything behind the business. And when you do that, um, it's easy for the business and the business success to become everything. And it's easy for you to couple your own identity and sense of, you know, yourself as a person with that business. And I think that can be incredibly dangerous because yeah, when something goes wrong, you know, you can feel like I'm a failure as a person. You know, I, I, I wasn't prepared for this. I've, you know, I've messed up. There's no way of getting back to it. And so, 100% agree that, that that exercise of going, well, what if this happened? You know, what if, and to take it to the extremes, I mean, with the business, the thing that, you know, the thought process is, well, you know, what if everything failed? What if this crisis was the end of the business? What if, and it's not inviting it in, as you say, it's, you know, it's, it's being prepared for it. And, and, and in fact, then you think about what do I do to, so what would I do in that situation? But what do I also do to prevent that from happening? I don't want that. Yeah, sure. I don't want that. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not nice. It's not going to be the end of the world if it happens, but it's not nice. And I mean, I'm really grateful for your time because I know you've got a business to run, you've got a family to go after, it's getting late. But I mean, what are your, what are your, what's your thoughts on the future for Africa? What are your, what, what are you seeing? Um, I mean, we've got a, a, a young population with a lot of potential. I think we, we're working through a lot of challenges. Um, but just looking at um, democracy across the continent, looking at uh, women and, um, you know, women empowerment, women 
uh, in the tech space, getting involved in the tech space, women in business. Um, I think that we just, I think we have an incredible amount of potential. Um, mm. I think that there, you know, the, the idea of forming businesses that have positive social impact, uh, mm. I think the idea of uh, sidestepping issues with uh, gender equality, I think we've got really big opportunities on the continent because we're in some sense um, still developing um, these spaces. I think there's the opportunity to, to avoid a lot of the bad behavior um, mm. that we've seen internationally in, in economies that, that are, you know, a little bit further along. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, really um, excited about the opportunity on the continent. I do think it's a long-term game. Um, mm. You know, I think anyone who's kind of looking at things to change completely in the next year or two is, is, is probably going to be disappointed. Um, you know, That's I think as we're That's the English side. <laughs> 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 but I think, you know, as with anything that's worth it, that's worth, you know, that's worth it and is sustainable, it's, it's going to take time. But I just, you know, when I engage with other African entrepreneurs um, and, you know, you look at the face of these businesses and their practices, I'm, I just feel incredibly positive. For sure. It was amazing to speak to you. Um, we're really grateful for your time. It's um, good energy, right? I've got a really good energy. So I'm tapping into that. We didn't even talk about no, your qualifications. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was awesome catching up and, and speaking to you. So we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed the chat as well. And, and obviously love, love what you do and are doing. So um, it was absolutely my pleasure. Send my regards to your husband and your mother, please. T tell her I'll I be down in the shopping center soon. I will do. I will do. <laughs>